You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete Cardinals coverage podcast. I'm Blake Murphy 7, joined with John E. Touchdown, the venerable John Venerable. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Blake, as we inch closer to kickoff this Sunday. I'm looking forward to what I think will be the first Cardinal win of the season, Blake. Yeah, the the biggest thing I know when we looked at this game on paper, you're like, okay, it's going to be at home. The first four to five games the Cardinals have are probably their most winnable. Panthers came out and it was more of like a, a whimper. Uh, Cam Newton looked like as far as the deep ball, he was just off with his accuracy. Um, he apparently has had an ankle injury. He's walking around in a boot. This is kind of concerning when you think about that he was on the field in the third preseason game for some like, I don't know, I want to say like some maybe 15 to 16 snaps of or he took another sack and ankle injury in that game, held onto the ball a bit long, came out, was back for week one, just has not looked the same overall as far as his ability. The protection in Carolina doesn't seem on par. Christian McCaffrey at least still looks like he may be the best running back in the NFL overall as far as just with his speed, shiftiness, ability as a receiver. But right now it looks very likely that you're going to get Kyle Allen, which leads to a crazy narrative because Kyle Allen was essentially the guy who was recruited to play at Texas A&M. He and Kyler Murray essentially had a quarterback battle. Allen won the battle the very first, I think I remember the very first game that those two were playing. Kyle Allen was the starter. It was actually against the Arizona State Sun Devils. Murray came in in the second half and kind of lit a fire in the team to be able to run the football. They kind of did a weird Kyle passing, then Murray running around. Some of that was just the way they had to set up. But these two guys who are friends are going to be on opposing sidelines. And you've got a guy who, from my film watch, the best way I could at least describe is very Brett Hundley-like. He's going to drop his eyes a few times as far as under pressure. He's going to not really be a a guy who's going to want to take a lot of chances or throw the ball into the one-on-one coverage. But he's got a big arm. And if guys were get behind the defense or beat you over the top, you've got Speedster and DJ Moore. Curtis Samuels look like a good deep threat. He can hit those guys if they're open deep. So I don't think it's going to be ultimately a easy game for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the defensive side, obviously, the Panthers have Gerald McCoy. They also drafted Brian Burns this year. But you're also looking at the fact that whenever you've got a backup quarterback in and you've seen a team that's 0-2 and that has struggled a lot and has just lost their starting quarterback, that's a game that you should win at home, John. They should win that at home. Yeah, I thought this was a winnable game just with the way Carolina has played um, and how lifeless they've looked offensively. I thought this was a winnable game before Cam Newton um, potentially mispracticed or did mispractice. Um, the The offense has not looked particularly good this season. They just lost um, to a bad Buccaneers team, uh, a Buccaneer team that does not have nearly the amount of talent defensively that I think the Cardinals have. Um, and I think that a, a Buccaneers team that, 
Uh, James Winston, to me, is not on the same level as a Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals will be no. able to play at home, and that game was in Carolina. I mean, losing at home to that, to that team, Cam was 25 for 51 for 333 yards, but if you watch the game, um, he did not look right. That sub-50% completion. Um, the end of last year, it was clear he was not himself. I thought, okay, give it the entire offseason. He'll be back. A lot of people picked them to win the South this year. He just, in my opinion, he doesn't look healthy. I don't think he's going to play this week. I think that you know, the, the, if you read the tea leaves of the coaching staff, um, especially if he doesn't practice, um, we're recording this um, you know, midweek. If he doesn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, then, then you're going to definitely talk about Kyle Allen starting. Kyle, I think really, in my opinion, the Cardinals would be better off with Cam playing right now with the way he's playing. But I also think that, you know, we've seen, we haven't seen enough from Kyle Allen to lead you believe that, that he, he's going to come and light the world on fire. I think the Cardinals um, just, you know, they, they struggle in the back end right now just because they don't have the horses. Um, but at the end of the day, they are more talented on paper offensively than this Carolina Panther team is, even with, even with Saquon Barkley. Um, I think it's a wash up from the offensive lines outside of one or two positions. Um, you know, Greg Olson's a nice player, but I, I'm not particularly high on the receivers at all. Um, and again, you know, if, if Cam does in fact play, he's, he, I think I would take Kyler Murray any day, any day of the week, the way he's playing right now. So you mentioned it, like they've got, a, a they've, they've almost put too many resources on that defense and that defensive front because they are fantastic personnel wise fantastic front seven you talk about mccoy poe kawan short they still have their vernon butler backing him up they drafted brian burns who is a guy who i felt like should have been a top 10 pick for an edge rusher yeah you're gonna have to hugely irvin out of there and then they have a decent corner in james bradbury a young fast one in dante jackson and they signed eric reed and trey boston who are a strong safety so overall on defense like it's a strong overall defensive group now granted that means that they're gonna end up having to take one of those lines backers off the field to have to deal with Arizona which I think will give the Cardinals an advantage with their four wide just because of the structure and in that sense we've seen if you're not going to be able to run the ball at all at least get some more rushing attempts in or try to make use of Kyler but you may just be able to have to pass on this team and we know that Cliff can generate enough of a pass so yes. my, worry will, my worry will obviously honestly be how will they handle the pass rush? I think that's the biggest thing we'll have to see is what will go on. But the Cardinals can come out up front and force the Panthers to be the one who are on their heels. That, I think, will be the key to success. This is a game that's, again, at home. It's probably going to be rocking, at least now that people have been able to see what Murray does. Hopefully you can come out with a quicker start this week and punch it in the end zone because if you can't, then the Panthers have enough weapons at tight end with Greg Olson and Ian Thomas that it's going to be really interesting to see how if the Panthers can get a good managed game and make some of those different plays, then I I think it's a, it's a game that it's not going to be an easy game for the Cardinals to win, but it's not that I expect them to lose. Absolutely. And it's, it's not one of the instances in which like a Baltimore at the end of the game, just asserted their will on both lines of scrimmage and just wore the Cardinals down. I, uh, again, maybe that happens with their defensive line, but I think you're going to be able to force enough, uh, enough three and outs, uh, a good amount of punts from this team, as long as you, you limit the big play. Yep. I think a lot of people have been saying, well, you need to sell out for the run because of Christian McCaffrey um, and, and make Kyle Allen beat you or whatever. Here's what I would say to that. Make them put together, maybe play a little safer on the back end and you know, don't 
don't blitz, blitz, just rush with your, you know, your, your front three, your front seven, um, and make them put together 10, 12 play drives, sustain mm-hmm. drives, you know, back them up, do angle punting with Andy Lee. Um, I could see them, this be, I know Cardinal fans don't want to hear it. This could be another conservative game from Kingsbury until he gets his first win. I, I think that you're going to be playing the field game position. I think that if the Cardinals are able to consistently move the ball, even if it doesn't result in points, I think you want to make this young quarterback who's got limited experience with uh, limited personnel outside of McCaffrey and, and Greg Olson, make him go 80 yards, make him go 90 yards and, and put up multiple scores because we've seen enough. I think even in these two first games that the Cardinals, when they're on, when they click, when Kyler's on, he can put together a scoring drive when he has to, when you, when you talk about four down territory, I, I think it's safe to say the Cardinals are going to probably eclipse 20 points in this game. Just with the way they're trending right now, they should have had 25 to 30 points against Baltimore on the road. So you're going to ask Kyle, Kyle Allen to score 20 plus points on the road at the university of or university of Phoenix stadium at state farm <laughs> stadium. Right. Um, if, if the Cardinals are smart, they don't turn the ball over, which they they've only done once this year, early on against Detroit. Uh, I, I think that if they win the turnover battle, I don't think there's any way Carolina wins this game outside of a fluke play punt return. I think the Cardinals are just, they're, they're trending a different direction than Carolina right now. We mentioned it on the, the pod that we did earlier this week, Blake, the, the Panthers to me look like a team that's going to have a new GM, a new head coach, a new quarterback going into next year. They, the, the team was sold off. This team, it looks like their Super Bowl window is closed. That that great team that you know mirrored the Cardinals in 2015, that you know beat their brains in in the NFC Championship game. That team, even though a lot of the personnel is still around, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to recapture that magic. Whereas the Cardinals yeah. are a young team that we thought would it would take a little while for the, for them to get their mojo. But you listen to you look and listen from national media pundits this week. They're a team that's being labeled as a tough out entertaining and and mm-hmm. potentially on the rise and look out if they get some momentum and and get a couple wins under their belt and i think that they're going to do that this week yeah the way that you look at this as the cardinals are if you, if you lose the game it's going to end up being a big question of you know i mean we've seen lo- losses before to guys like landry jones but the steelers uh, after michael vick went out we've also seen losses to uh, backup quarterback like in Jimmy Garoppolo with the Patriots when they didn't have Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski. Uh, granted, you have you know some of the better team; those are two of the better overall teams of this past decade in the NFL. The Panthers have just been a interesting case of a defensive team that kind of in a lot of cases was similar to the Cardinals had an elite defense with some explosive offense and they had kind of one great season that was unfortunate for the Cardinals the same season that Carson Palmer had his great season. They end up being not kind of the same team from the Super Bowl. It's just very up and down. And some of that is just because Cam is overall just more erratic. And as far as whenever you can protect him and give him time, he's done pretty well. But they just have not been able to, again, kind of almost a learning lesson, not been able to devote enough to the offensive line as needed, where you've just seen his yards per attempt just decline. He's just attempting less and less passes further than 10 yards down the field. They've at least granted North Turner's done a good job of tailoring it for him. But when they've had those deep throws, it's been to the tight ends over the middle, or just when you've got kind of wide open wide receivers deep. And even then he's just been under throwing it. So I think with Kyle Allen, the biggest thing I would look at, John, I would at least add on, I think you want to have timely blitzes against Allen where 
because he's ten, has a tendency to drop his eyes, he's not going to take a big hit in the pocket like Cam Newton. He wants to have a pocket to step up and you're mm-hmm. looking at a traditional quarterback. Send a timely blitzer to where he just has bodies around is looking around for what to do because then that's when Suggs and Jones will be able to sweep in and force some of those fumbles, get a takeaway. See if you can force him to kind of make a throw under pressure. That's where I think the Cardinals are going to have at least a few chances Um, The biggest thing, obviously, is going to come down to you can't give up the easy throw to the tight ends, even if you have to bracket a guy like a Greg Olson, if that's the first read. Just make it be where you can force him to throw for some, you know, 350 yards to beat him through the air. Yeah, that's what you're going to have to do. Don't don't let Christian McCaffrey beat you. Don't let, you know, these 10 yards that turn into first down routes to the tight ends beat you. And And I will say, Blake, not to interrupt you, but the Cardinals have shown that they're a very capable tackling team. Um, especially in their back seven. I thought that the tackling as the game went on against Baltimore became much more consistent. Um, I didn't think the Ravens outside of, you know, the misdirection with Lamar Jackson really ran that effectively. It was kind of just a a little bit of a gimmick, but I, I think if the Cardinals tackle like they did last week, they'll have a great opportunity to win. Yep, I would agree. Um, let's go ahead and uh, move move on. We'll get back to our Panthers predictions at the end, but I want to talk a little bit just about with some of the trades that happened this week and some of the trade rumors. Um, go and see kind of a little bit of the merits of that debate. And then I know we haven't really jumped into a lot of the draft talk yet. There's not as much reason to go on about it um, for the most part, but I did want to at least get a little bit of some of the takes of just the current, kind of your current state of where we are with the team, John. The biggest thing right now is Jalen Ray- Ramsey has requested a trade. This is a few days after Minka Fitzpatrick requested a trade immediately after week one of the Dolphins game finally ended up happening this week. He's traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are now without Big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, That's one of the things that we can touch on. But without Cam Newton, without Big Ben, and then also for sure without Drew Brees being in there, the Cardinals now have three games that they'll be playing backup quarterbacks that are now three much more winnable games overall which is really, really fun to think about. But does that mean that the Cardinals should take an advantage and trade a first-round pick or some have even suggested trading Patrick Peterson to the Jaguars to get a player like Jalen Ramsey? Is that something that's realistic, John? What, what are some of your thoughts on this for a player who maybe is one of the best in the game when he's on but is going to be really, really expensive to get for this team? Yeah, I mean, anytime you talk about adding a player the caliber of, of a, you know, the, the best player at his position in football, I think that we most people would agree Jalen Ramsey at this point is, if not the best corner, one of the two or three best corners in football. Um, but like you just mentioned, Blake, you know, it's a salary cap league, and for a team that needs its assets, its resources – just wouldn't be a wise move. And I get it. They need, it's like a, it's an, it's an immediate need with Patrick Peterson out. But again, we talked about it. You just gave up the 33rd overall pick to take Byron Murphy, who looks very good in, in two games played. And you've got all co- all pro cornerback Patrick Peterson coming back at 29 years old. You would think that they're at least going to have him around for the rest of this season and next year. I mean, like mm-hmm. you're, you're then going to compound that with Jalen Ramsey, another outside corner, um, to to give him a you know a big time potentially sixty seventy eighty million dollar guaranteed contract I think that that would just it would just kind of be doing things backwards to me the the Cardinals need to continue doing what they're doing is in the draft yes you focus on key areas but you almost have to go BPA to some extent because this roster has so many holes 
cornerback right now, I don't think at the end of the season, isn't one of them. I, you would assume Robert Alford's going to bounce back, hopefully from this broken leg. Um, you signed him to a multi-year deal. You would think he's going to be around next year. You have your top three corners on the roster next year. You're not ready to compete for a championship. Best case scenario, next year you're going to be competing for a playoff spot. Does Jalen Ramsey make you better? Yes, but it also is, I think it's a short-sighted move. If the Cardinals were in year hmm. two or three of, of the Kyler Murray rookie contract, and it was clear like a corner like that could put them over the top, they'd feel comfortable about extending him. They've got the room, the cap space. That, that's one thing. They have so many holes, specifically offensively at receiver and offensive line and defensive line. They have no impact defensive linemen right now. It just right. seems it would be doing things backwards. Now, let's say that, I don't know, I, I don't even know who to, who to compare Jalen Ramsey to, but let's say the equivalent of Jalen Ramsey was available and he played tackle or he played defensive tackle. We played maybe an outside edge rusher or something like that where it made sense First of all, I think more teams would be interested. I think corners are a little bit devalued right now. But, you know, at the same time, if if it was a position where the Cardinals thought that they could upgrade significantly, even though you're giving up a first-round pick or maybe multiple first-round picks, you could justify it. And with the way the Cardinals are trending right now, Blake, maybe they're not going to have that locked top five pick like we thought. Maybe they're going to be in the latter half of the top ten or even outside the top ten. We don't know. But what I can tell you is that pick is still going to play, you would think, an integral part in this team's future because it's going to yeah. it's going to address one of their immediate needs. There are many, but I just I don't think that's corner right now. So it's wrong place, wrong time for for a great player. Yeah, the the positive of you look at if you did, let's say the Cardinals gave up, say let's say, let's 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 say that you gave up um, a first, and let's say that you gave up a first this year, and then say it's his. I don't know, a second or a third in 2021. Let's just be conservative with that. I, I think it'll take more than that, honestly. But let's say the Cardinals did do that for the goal of having, you know, Peterson, your fourth cornerback essentially would be, you know, uh, probably, you, you would probably be able to move on at least from um, their uh, current number two, at least. Um, but, and then you'd have Byron Murphy be the other one, which, gosh, if they could just keep getting, you know, those guys from that Saguaro High School higher guys who went to Washington State, those, all of those teammates and second-round players who were there have just been so good. But I, I digress. The, if you were able to have those three as far as your cornerback trio, then you're talking about, you know, one of the best – you're talking about the best secondary in football, and you'd be talking about potentially then lifting you to a, a playoff win because teams aren't able to pass on you. You're hopefully able to get a lot more run with your pass rush up front and then be able to clean up some of those areas. So I can see that being a huge case as far as why where it's a defensive team. But in my opinion, this is an offensively led Cardinals team and you would be essentially having to give up, you know, the, what, what, what I think somebody would mention today, if it's a reasonable rate, you give it up. When it gets to an extreme level, if your window at least is going to be this year or next year, you go for it. The Cardinals window, I think, is going to be more of, you'll get a, a good shot at it next year, but then it'd be the next three years after that. So to mortgage the future now for a cornerback for the point of, hey, we want to get another cornerback when there's still some huge holes on the roster, I don't think that you want to continue to make it an area that's already pretty strong, see if you can make it a stronger strength 
versus trying to patch up some of those weaknesses to turn those weaknesses into strengths. So I, John, would think that you should invest more on the offense. I think that is what the Cardinals will and should do. Obviously, you're going to still reach out and find out. And if it's like, hey, we'll give you Patrick Peterson and a third for Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars said yes to that deal, then I think most Cardinals fans, because of the six-year age gap, would run toward that. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, I do think, honestly, that even if you were looking at a trade like that, there'd be other ramifications as well as far as fit, personality. There's so many things that go into it. I think that I would be in the spot where I'd say, oh, it's really nice. It'd be great. Let's hope that the Cardinals can build their team to in the spot where there is another Jalen Ramsey type player in two to three years where he said, hey, we can get to the Super Bowl if we make a trade for this player. That's absolutely where I would want to be, John. Yeah, absolutely. It's just they're they're not in a position. I think people are just so amped up for, from what they've seen from Kyler that they're like, yeah, let's pounce on it. Let's improve the roster. And I can appreciate that. But I think that the, the time for that really to take off and, and, and use this rookie contract to their advantage is going to be this offseason. You're going to be able to be major players in free agency for the first time in forever. You're going to have 70 plus million dollars. You're going to be able to address multiple positions. The the group of free agents that I've seen so far this off season and Blake, and and I, I just, I want to touch on a couple of them because I think it's relevant to the conversation. Somebody like a a Jack Conklin for the Tennessee Titans who can come in and and immediately upgrade you at right tackle. Um, Somebody like, uh, I believe Leonard Williams. Yeah, as long as, as, long as yeah, as long as the knee checks out as the one thing with Conklin, I'm very, I'll be very curious about because if you end up having, hey, I don't want to see the team replace DJ Humphreys with you know uh, another guy who ends up with knee. True, I, I do like, I do like the the youth aspect of it, and he was a, a first yeah. round, and when he has played, he's been successful. But it's been good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Leonard Williams is going to be available. You would think maybe they're not going to re-sign him with with. Um, Quinnen Williams now in the fold, uh, the New York Jets, that is. There, there, are, there are quality players that could come in and immediately be the best player at the position group for the Cardinals this offseason. Um, and they're going to have to be competitive with a lot of teams. But I think I, when I checked it the other day, um, two or three days ago, Cardinals are set to have the most money in the NFC of any NFC team. Yep. They're like fifth or sixth on the list overall, but those are AFC teams. So the Cardinals are going to be the bell of the ball. You need to have positive momentum going because I think what you're seeing now from the Jalen Ramseys and the Minka Fitzpatrick's, if your team sucks, if your team is not well run, if you're getting embarrassed, this is where the Cardinals were last offseason, and I think it factored into time time signings and, and free agency in general. Teams don't want to come play for you, even if you have money to pay them. The Cardinals need to be in a position where teams look at them like the Cleveland Browns of this past offseason where you've got momentum we think you're, you're a team that's going somewhere. We like where you're headed. We like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Um, and so th- they need to be able to, to play off of that. And I think they will just Ramsey to me, it just, it's not a fit. I'm for, he, yes, he fits on every team. That's not what I'm saying, yeah, r- but right fit wrong time, <laughs> right? It's, it's a chess move, right? It's a, it's a strategic chess move. This, this is not baseball. This is not the, the Yankees of the early two thousands where you could, have a surplus and just buy players left and right that the Cardinals have to be smart with how they do things because we think knock on wood, they finally found their young franchise quarterback. The the biggest need after that is not cornerback. That's about probably seventh or eighth on the, on the list. Even when you get, you know, Peterson and Alford back, um, take care of the offensive line, take, take care of the skill players, take care of the defensive line. And then I think this team, I think this team becomes a, a playoff contender next year. 
Yeah, I think I think definitely. Now, what's going to be interesting as we kind of move a little bit around the uh, around the NFL before we come to our prediction is I'm very curious as to just with the rest of the just with the rest of the guys and the quarterbacks going down it's going to be a interesting shift because the NFC West has kind of taken advantage of the schedule because they also play the NFC South this year and they also play the uh, AFC North so you're going to be already talking about this uh, a Browns team that just does not look like they have whatever the it factor is last year they had a lot of the it factor people wanted them to take the next step Baker Mayfield has not really seemed to progress as far as for what he did he did throw quite a few turnover worthy passes last year some of them have become turnovers uh, into this year and then on the defensive side as we know they've got Steve Wilkes they're racking up a lot of sacks but they're also having a lot of issues as far as just overall as a defensive unit they you know weren't able to really contain Le'Veon Bell all that well last week which I, I, again for one thing it's Le'Veon Bell he's maybe the most talented you know running back that we've seen in the league since um, since a guy like Perry potentially he's just a freak but in the end, the Browns are not as much of a challenge overall. The Steelers now have a backup QB. The Bengals are the Bengals just about every single year, even with a new offensive coordinator. They have a lot of yards, but just don't seem to be a contender. You're talking about an NFC West that all of the other teams started 2-0. and So uh, what are your thoughts so far on the other teams? Because I've seen San- I don't see San Francisco as a fraud, as some have said. I think if they're a good team, I think that defensively they're strong. I think offensively they just were inconsistent in week one and they played uh, a really easy team in week two. You're going to see a lot of really good play calls overall and just a well-managed game from Kyle Shanahan. I just don't think that they're going to take the leap because they're held back just a little bit much, I think, with the offensive line in Garoppolo, especially after potentially losing uh, their starting left tackle, Joe Staley, for I don't, I don't know exactly how long it's going to be. But um, I just feel like the Niners are going to be kind of a team that maybe it's the 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven is the most that they get. And the thing that concerns me more, honestly, is the Rams chugging along and the Seahawks, despite having some really, really close matchups the last two weeks, um, they seem to be much more susceptible this year than they have in previous years, but they still keep turning out wins. So what are your thoughts on where the Cardinals stand in the division currently, John, against the rest of the NFC West? Does this team have a chance to kind of step in, move up a spot, move up a spot or two? I don't know if they're going to be able to pass what the Rams are doing just yet, but do you think that they can make some headway this year? This reminds me of the 2013 NFC West where you had mm. the, two, the two elites, the, the, the Seahawks and the uh, San Francisco 49ers contending for uh, a Super Bowl appearance. And then you had the Arizona Cardinals kind of wrong place, wrong time at 10 and six, but very much a veteran led team. Uh, and then you had the Rams kind of hovering around. Uh, six and ten, seven and nine. I think that's kind of what's going to happen this year. I still think the Rams um, have, have proven enough that they're going to be a top seed in the NFC. And I think Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson is, is too deadly of a combination not to make the playoffs, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned it. I don't think San Francisco is a fraud either. Um, I think that they're going to score points despite Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if he is necessarily necessarily the real deal at this point. But I do think that they have just accumulated so much talent over being a top five draftee for the last how many years, right? Um, and, and have had just an upheaval of, of roster moves and, and have made some savvy trades. They're, they're trying to go for it, and I respect that. But they always they, they strike me as a team that 
that could burn out fast. But I, yeah. I do think this is one of the years where, where they put together eight, nine, maybe 10 win season. Um, but I, I think the amount of money they're paying somebody like Jimmy G, they're committing to somebody like D Ford, who, by the way, has already hurt for them. They gave up a second round pick. Um, Solomon Thomas has not worked out. They, they've got some, and DeForest Buckner, they still need to pay. Um, they, they've got some decisions they, they have to make. By the way, their left tackle, Joe Staley, just broke his leg. So, again, I think that they're the real deal because I think Kyle Shanahan is a, is a, a really – he's a brilliant offensive Coach. mind. I, I don't throw that term around um, lightly, but I do, think, I, think, I do think that he is top five offensive mind in football. So I, I think just with the upheaval of defensive players that they've, they've, they've added – um, and they've jet set it. I, I think they're going to be in most every game. Um, the Cardinals, to me, if they're able to go two and four in the division, um, I know that doesn't sound great from the you know the outsider, maybe these our listeners, but this is the best division in football. I only I don't even think you can argue that at this point. Yeah, not with got, the Cardinals now exploding, and now what the Niners are two and zero oh and look good. Yep. This is the best division in football with Roethlisberger removed and the Browns struggling. The bench. There's not another division that looks even close to having four competent teams that could contend and potentially win the game week in and week out. That's what this division currently has. If you, if you win two games within the division, all you would have to do theoretically is win four games outside of your division, which I think is very doable with when you look at the Cardinals schedule and you see the Cincinnati's, I don't think Cleveland looks that great. We talked about, um, you know, Drew Brees being out and Cam being out and Ben Roethlisberger being out. If you can go two and four in the division, win two, two divisional games, win six games outside of the division, you've already tied. You've, you've avoided double digit losses this season with the tie you'd be six nine one that's a huge improvement going into next year yeah double the win total and you essentially were able to prove that you can belong in one of the toughest divisions in football you and you can sell it as a if we if we if we turn the outcome of a, of a baltimore game or detroit game if we flip the script on two or three games we're in contention for a playoff spot in 2020 so yep. the goal this year should be how do we and i think this is what kingsbury is doing week one how can we avoid double digit losses? And in my opinion, you go two and four in the division. The Cardinals haven't lost to San Francisco since the last week of 2014 <laughs> when, when yep. it was Jim Harbaugh's last game as, as an NFL coach. They've beaten them however many straight years, 2015 to 2018. They have not lost to that Niner team. I still think that they have an opportunity to win that game at uh, State Farm Stadium. And I do think the Cardinals are going to be much more competitive. I don't think the Rams are going to blow people out this year with their personnel, um, not like they used to. And I think Seattle, again, it plays down to their competition. We saw that week one against Cincinnati. So win two games out of four, out of six, win four out of the division. Um, and I, I think that, that that's, a, that's a huge win for this franchise, Blake. Yep, definitely. I think we'll have to see what the um... – I will have to see what the future holds for that. I'll be very curious to see how the Cardinals match up against the Niners. I will get the Nick Bosa story as well. He's kind of seeming like he's hurt, but has been playing as leading the, uh, I believe leading the whole NFL in pressures, but doesn't have any sacks that are there just yet. And then you look at the uh, acquisition of Jadavion Clowney. And then you look at the Rams who, despite losing some guys in the offensive line, they paid Jared Goff and kind of kept rolling, even though they haven't looked the, uh, the same, they were probably going to, I feel like at least not going to win the game against the saints up until 
Drew Brees went out from the Aaron Donald area and will again have uh, QB injuries in the offensive line will be the biggest concern I think that you have against those teams. So uh, let's wrap up tonight, at least for the podcast, just with a game prediction, John. Um, I, I'm going to go out on not a limb here, but I don't think I can trust the Cardinals yet to get to 30 points. I think that things are going to be a bit more limited. What I will say is I do think this is going to be where Kyler Murray will throw for 250 yards, but I do think that even though the front seven, the way that it's going to be, I think the Cardinals will have to find some way to adjust and run the football. I think that they're going to end up having a few design plays where I think Murray goes over 50 yards, still ends up having over 300 total yards. I think that there's going to be two touchdowns that they have one on the ground, one that's going to be through the uh, one through the air. And I think that the Cardinals are going to have at some point some type of defensive touchdown. Um, I'm going to predict the Cardinals to be able to win this game 27 to 10 is what my prediction is going to be. Um, I just wow. think, I think the Panthers are – I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be one of those games where it's 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Panthers are still down by a touchdown. And then I think when the pressure is on, I think it's going to be the Cardinals who do come away with it. It's going to be a road game for um, for their quarterback. I think there's going to be some mistakes that happen. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's where the Cardinals win, but it's going to look like it's a blow-up. I think it's going to be much, much closer of a game until the end. Yeah, I am uh, going to go with a little closer of a contest. Um, I would love to see the Cardinals start fast. But until they do it uh, and put some points on the board early, I, I, they're, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be a close game. Um, so I will go. I think the Cardinals hit 30 points this game. They were really close week one. Um, they should have hit it last week with the amount of red zone opportunities that they had. I think, I think they get exactly 30. I'll go 30 to 20 in okay. favor of the Arizona Cardinals. They get their first victory of the season. And I, I think Kyler Murray throws – three touchdown passes in this game. I think two of them are long distant passes to Kirk and, or maybe a Demir bird. I think that the Cardinals, if they can get ample time up front and give Murray enough time to step into some of these throws, I think he's going to take some shots downfield. I think that you can exploit as much as I, I like the physical nature of an Eric Reed or Trey Boston. You can go deep on that secondary um, you can win some. They got the corners there. after those two guys. The corners after those two guys are not as deep. So they're gonna they're gonna try to they're gonna try to go deep. I they give him enough time. He, he can flick it. You know, seventy yards on a dime. We saw that last week. He was threading the needle left and right. So I will go thirty to twenty in favor of the Cardinals with Murray having another big day, Blake. Mm, okay, that's great. So let's let's talk about the elephant in the room because I think it needs to be brought up. What happens if the Cardinals lose this game? I think how they would lose it would be a question, but let's say that the Cardinals see um, they aren't able to contain the tight ends. They just end up not being able to get as much pressure. It's not kind of a low-scoring game where they come out sluggish again. They're not able to score in the red zone. And ultimately, in the end, the Panthers' defense, let's say the Panthers' defense kind of ends up prevailing and they end up kicking a late game field goal to win a game. What would be kind of the feeling if this team continues to have kind of the flaws show up at least versus some of the pros? Well, just This is more of a hypothetical because we're hoping that this team would build. How big of a setback do you think it would be and what would we kind of be talking about coming in at least for the Cardinals the, the, like the next Monday and Tuesday? Yeah, it would be disappointing, but I don't think, I mean, it's a long season. You're allowed to have the last time I checked, unless you look on Twitter, ups and downs for a rookie head coach and quarterback 
one or the other usually gets uh, a, a decent amount of wiggle room. The Cardinals have both. Um, and so, yeah, sure, we'd be disappointed. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to probably win a game they're not supposed to and lose a game that they're, they're supposed to win. That could very well be this week. I think the line initially when it rolled out, Carolina was favored by two and a half. That They've taken that, that line down, at least the sports betting site I use. It's not available right now, which means I think the Cardinals are going to be favored by the end of the week. Um, and so I could, I could very well, yeah, oh yeah, I could very well see a scenario in which maybe they, they don't play well for whatever reason. And, and because they're due for maybe a clunker, um, through four, four quarters, or, or maybe it's a shootout. Maybe the defense just doesn't show up and Kyler plays great. But I mean, you, I would have to see exactly how the game turns out, but I, you know, with this coaching staff, with this team, you know, you'd have to play four quarters like I saw the team play, you know, two and a half week one for me to really be down on them. <laughs> but again, you know, it's there, it's it's so week to week. Um, you know, I, I try to reserve judgment until maybe midseason or, or beyond. But, you know, hey, if they don't win, it's not the end of the world. We don't expect them to contend this year. It's only going to help their draft position. But you would like to see this team, especially with Ky- Kyler's psyche of not losing a, a high school game and then only losing one game or two games at Oklahoma. I mean, he, he, he is a winner by trait. That means something to him. Obviously he hates to lose. So I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing them not winning this game. Yeah. I think when you're talking about cliff and hoping for adjustments and the game plan, you're hoping that they'll be able to, because I, I, I don't think that this is a, I want to say a must win game because I don't think it is at all. I don't know if there's any, truly must win games this season unless you're about to hit three and 13 but i think that kingsbury is going to look at this and say we competed well we took a step forward this team went to baltimore and took them to the fourth quarter on the road which baltimore is what most people are saying might be the one team that they feel like can stop the patriots just because there's no faith in andy Reid whatsoever to be able to manage a team if that's the case that's super impressive you don't want to see the team take a step back it's hard to see them taking a step back so I think that what you're going to hope for, honestly, John, is that you can see Cliff being able to be super motiva- motivated to get this first win at home, get that first win out of the way. Because we know Steve Welks, he went 0-5 and, and wasn't able to get a win up until the Niners. And he was so relieved when he got that first win because yep. just so, so hard on a coach, at least. And it's been two weeks like that for Cliff when they've been so close after such a disappointing start. And then after they kind of were close with the Ravens and saw the game essentially slip away. So I think that they'll be motivated enough for them to be able to go out, make it a convincing win, especially because we've known it's been clear. The NFL is rooting for the Cardinals and for Cliff Kingsbury, especially to fail. Um, They're not rooting against Kyler as much. I think some people probably are, but I think they're especially rooting against his model and his method because it's just unique. And so far he's proved the NFL wrong. So let's hope that he can be super motivated to be able to do it. And hopefully we're talking about a one, one and one Cardinals team next week. That's, you know, that that's still in it for the most part, as far as teams go, John. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the sooner Cliff Kingsbury get, like you mentioned, gets that first win and consistently showcases to the league, like, Hey, I'm putting up points. This is what I do. You guys need to figure this out because this isn't, you know, this isn't too big for me. Um, he's already shown more humility than, than Chip Kelly ever did. I, I do believe he's going to continue to evolve. So um, I, I, I think those are those, those rumors that, that Cliff Kingsbury shouldn't be an NFL coach. Those whispers, those are going to be put to bed. I don't know how he's going to do long term, but I do, think, I do know he's a capable offensive mind. 
Yeah, as long as you can do the plays like he did, make the adjustments he did, even against a team like the Ravens on the road, I think that you're in good hands with him. The big thing, of course, will be finding out what are going to be any of the uh, <laughs> are going to be limitations like you see with Andy Reid and clock management or Bruce Arians. You're always talking about terrible special teams. There's going to be elements that we'll have to see right now. The sample size is just two games. It'll be three next week as that will wrap it up for this week. Uh, if there's any type of emergencies or things that pop up, let's say the Cardinals make an emergency trade or something um we'll probably end up seeing if we can try to find time to fit it in that will be at the beginning usually of like the second podcast or so we'll just kind of add it in so don't worry if there's going to be areas that we can't you know it's too big to not push it into next week um, we'll be there for you guys um thank you again for everyone who tuned in obviously um thank you for all of our revenge of the birds followers who are there uh, especially the ones internationally do want to give a shout out to you guys again for listening to us week in and week out. We really do um, appreciate being able to talk cards at least um, for you guys and break down this team because that's what we love. Um, John, let's end this as we always usually do. Uh, where can the listeners, if they're interested for further talk or discussion, find your content? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Johnny Touchdown, and then they can find my content in written form on the Revenge of the Birds website, where hopefully you're getting this podcast. Uh, and then I try to incorporate a, a rapid reaction following every game on Sunday, um, where I'll highlight some key players and, and do some quick hits on uh, hopefully some, some improvements that we'll see. And uh, Blake, where can they find the majority of your work, sir? Yeah, yeah, you'll be able to um, find it on my Twitter account, let's be honest, but uh, on revengeofthebirds.com will be there. I've had a lot of discussions. The biggest thing I think seems to be a lot of folks are already looking to draft, which makes sense. I mean, you're, you're a team, you've got the quarterback checked, you're kind of rebuilding, you can see where the holes are. And you know that you're not going to be looking for the playoffs this year as far as Cardinals. So a lot of draft talk is already starting up at least. So a lot of questions, a lot of people looking at prospects. It's always fun to be able to hash it out. But uh, thank you guys again so much for tuning in. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast, signing off as we enter week three.